Hey, everybody. If you wouldn't mind, uh, go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice rating and review, or maybe not even a nice one, just a rating and a review. Uh, just let us know what you think about the podcast. And uh, we've gotten to where we read some of these reviews on the air because some of them are uh, pretty funny and uh, clever. So be funny, clever, and you'll get your uh, review read on the air. And uh, the rating helps us out a little bit as well. So if you don't mind, leave us a nice rating and a review or terrible rating and a review, whatever you'd like to do. However you feel about the podcast, we appreciate your, your input. And uh, thanks for listening as always. Welcome back in Alabama Politics This Week, uh, Josh Moon, David Person, and we are happy now to be joined by Representative Mary Moore, uh, and, and Representative Moore, thanks for, I know uh, we, we pulled you from the floor for this uh, <laughs> for this thing, uh, for this interview, and we, we really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk with us. Hey, I thank you for the opportunity. Yes, ma'am. I, well, uh, the reason we wanted to get you on here this week was I... I I've covered the the anti riot bill, uh-huh. uh, which is actually anti peaceful protesting. Bill That's what it, it is. actually is, um, and, uh, and and it's because uh, you, you know a lot of our Republican friends, and we'll call them friends to be nice, uh, in the state don't like to be reminded uh, of all the things that they've done wrong and all the things that are wrong. So they want to stamp it out whenever they can. Um, and so this bill is terrible. Uh, it it will punish peaceful protesters. No, there's no doubt about it. It will discourage peaceful protest, uh, which is, by the way, a constitutional right uh, that our our founders were were pretty set on. Um, and and you though during the hearing uh, for this, uh, you stood up and and had some things to say about the bill and about your experiences. Um, with Bull Connor and, and dogs. And, uh, and I, I don't want to put any words in your mouth. And so I, if you would, just, just kind of tell us what you, what you told the committee. Uh, what I expressed to them once I read this bill, um, I understood what it was all about. And what I wanted to share with them, uh, during the 60s when Dr. King was fighting for just some of our simple rights that God had given us, you know, our parents were protesting. They were getting arrested. And in January 1963, uh, at 16th Street Baptist Church, Dr. King asked that Monday night for all the adults to step back and let the children come forth. And he explained to them, we'll, we, we are not able to get our message out because when your parents go to protest, they are arrested. Then they lose their job. And we're running short of people to help us get the message out. And Dr. King said to us, young people, I need your help. Well, most of them, like me, that's the closest I'd ever been to Dr. King. And it was an honor for him to say he needed our help. And he told us, I'll be back in April with a plan to use the truth. Now, most people might think that those barges was just, you know, arbitrary, but they weren't. When Dr. King came back, he divided us up first into districts. Uh, If you lived on the north side like I did, they appointed churches on the north side because he wanted a peaceful protest. He didn't want our anger to get to the point that it would break out into a riot. So we were trained, those students that signed up to go to jail, those students that signed up to march every day because you couldn't let everybody be arrested. So we were trained to carry out 
a peace protest. And we were, and those of us that was willing to do that are the ones that marched every day that we had the march. And we came from all over the county, college students, high school students, some case elementary school students. And what I said to them, that gave me a flashback to 1963 in Kelly Ingram Park. While we're busy trying to carry out a peaceful protest, Bull Connor and the fire department will come up with hoses to spray on children. They caused, they caused whatever happened past then. Then you had those dogs. And if you understand the name, all of those German shepherds had the same name and it started with N. And that's how they got them to attack us. So, you know, when you're talking about a, a, a right given in the U.S. Constitution to all of its citizens to be able to, if, if, if it's something that we think need to be changed, or have some concerns with, and people are not listening, then there's peaceful protest for us to get our message out in an effort that will come to the table. Now, if there are people that are paid, which we know they're paid, to come in and be disruptive, and if I'm standing, I might be standing right in the spot that that person who came to break out somebody's window uh, throws the brick. And they're giving that policeman a few seconds to decide how many people they're going to arrest. Now, in my peaceful protest, in most cases, we got to get a permit to march. But in that policeman's split-second decision, he arrests me because I'm standing next to somebody who came to be disrupted. And I could spend 24, 48 hours in jail and have a felony put on my record. My boss don't fire me. I done lost my, my income. But if you want to stop riots, then you need to address that. And like I told them uh, on Tuesday, the police was aware these people were coming. So why didn't you do your due diligence to identify them? If, if you knew those unmarked cars were people coming to be disrupted, then you work, do your due diligence to, to uh, arrest them. But don't arrest me as a peaceful protester because that's True. how we made the changes, not only here in America, but across this world through peace protests. So, Miss Moore, let me let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Um, in Montgomery, the police chief in Montgomery, uh, with the support of uh, the new mayor, Stephen Reed, our, our friend Stephen Reed, the police chief down there was able to, using de-escalation tactics, he and his force were able to manage the protest that happened in 2020 with either zero arrests or, or, or less than 10 arrests. I mean, it was some phenomenal kind of number. In fact, even less than five, I think, um, if not zero. Um, I have often I've asked the police chief here in Huntsville where they use tear gas and a militarized force. You know, why didn't you guys look at de-escalation tactics such as the ones that were used in Montgomery? And, you know, you get some gobbledygook bureaucratic answer. Uh, Do you think that there is an awareness in the legislature, which is in Montgomery, (laughs) that. (laughs) <laughs> that there are that there are 
that there's an onus on the police departments to de-escalate and to approach these these groups of people, even if they've been infiltrated, to approach these groups of people in ways that are different than what are customarily used in order to help keep peace? I don't think there's an awareness because what you have to realize, the majority of the people in the Alabama legislature are Republican. And they, you know, they have their agenda and their agenda does not include de-escalating anything as you saw in the Capitol on January the 6th. Their agenda does not include safety for all citizens because in their mind, the rest of us are not citizens. You know, we're not citizens. So there, there is absolutely no awareness. That's why I took my time today to deal with the calendar, to try to put some issues on the line because on that day that uh, the riot bill came up, if you listen to Representative Chris Ingram, he talked about there are other things that we need to talk about uh, before we get to that definition of riot. There are a whole lot of things that we need to talk about. Uh, you got to look at the historical nature of different parts of this state. Now, when you look at Montgomery, they still call Montgomery a rural area. And, and, and it's an it's a, it's a urban city. But because it's surrounded by rural cities and counties, they look at it differently then they look at Birmingham or they look at Madison County. They look at us as being a neighborhoods of wild black people who have to be contained. And when you look at the police mm. force that's in most of our cities, they don't even live in our city. So they, and, and the policemen, you know, my, my philosophy, cities were designed to protect the citizens and they provide jobs to protect the citizens to the citizens that live there. But when you've got a philosophy that in our urban area, we're on drugs and it doesn't matter who you are, you got, you got some defect. And that is the police job to take you out because of that defect and they don't even know who you are. But that's the mm. design of our, our more urban police uh, department. Right. So let me ask you one other question. And this is about the constitutionality of, of this proposed bill, if it is passed by both houses of the legislature, do you believe that it will, do you think there'll be a lawsuit and do you believe that it will ultimately be found as other, you know, laws like HB 56 and others Uh have been found to be unconstitutional? Do you think that's the ultimate outcome here? I think that's the ultimate outcome. But, you know, I think also that in the legislature, we have a party that's insensitive to everything. And they'll tell you, oh, no, the Republican Party doesn't tell me what to do, but do something that they didn't tell you to do and you'll find out. But in at the top of that also, we've got to look at ourselves as Democrats and we've got to be more forceful in what we do, not forceful from a negative perspective. But we've got to, when these types of bills like you saw on Tuesday, how many of us even attempted to speak? How many even attempted to speak, to put something on the table, to let the, to let the chair know we're not satisfied with this bill? They didn't even attempt to speak. So we as a party got to get our act together too. Do we want to protect mm. the citizens? 
Do we want to protect those, those rights given not only by God, but by the Constitution of the United States? So we as a party got to stand firm and stand up too and stop rubbing our hands together and bowing our heads and uh, uh, afraid when, like, when I asked the chair if I could speak. That opened the door for all of the other members that was there that was not a part of that committee to raise their hand and say, me too. Not a one of them tried. So I think it's, it's, it's something that the Democrats have got to do uh, because we know we got a party that's totally insensitive, all about power and how we can bring back the old South. And I'm gonna add this about that old South. In 1901, when Alabama passed this constitution, do you know every state that was a state took portions of those Jim Crow laws and incorporated them in their constitution. So that's been something that's been uh, to, to demean a race of people and, and to come up with ways to, to, to antagonize them, to threaten them, to not open up their voice. That's why so many of our parents and grandparents were afraid to say anything. But it's a different generation here. And we only way we're going to train them is we got to be good mentors and stand up when the opportunity comes for us to stand up against injustice like this riot be. You know, I wanted to, if you could, for just a second, go back. Um, you talked about the Kelly Ingram Park and the, and the fire hoses and things. And I, and I don't want to. You know, I feel like a lot of times, you know, we we especially in in this state, we mm-hmm. we hear those stories and we we kind of just kind of gloss over them. Um, and and I don't I don't want to do that because I, I, I want to. Uh, first of all, how how old were you when that when when you were in that park? I was thirteen. Did it? I mean, do you do do you still carry that with you today? I mean, do you, I, I mean, how did that how did that affect you? Well, it, let me tell you what happened in in, in our mindset as young people at that time. And, and, and what the result of Dr. King training us and giving us some history of what we needed to do. We didn't carry it because we believed that if we could change Birmingham, which was one of the most hardcore racist cities, and open it up and give Blacks and other races of people the opportunity to be elected to offices, to be appointed to different positions, that we would have made a difference. And, and those of us that went to movement meeting every Monday night, we were trained to the effect that this is just one step. We might not be able to accomplish anything, but he encouraged us not to, not to keep it with you. That you, if, if you need some help and shaking it off, then you come to the, because all of us had some uh, elderly people to mentor us and we could go to them, but we were encouraged to, only way we were going to make a change is we couldn't hold any level of hate in in a peaceful move. You couldn't mm-hmm. do that. That's um, it's it's crazy for for me to think of. I mean, uh, somebody who I get irritated at people at red lights when they don't go fast <laughs> enough. Uh, but you know, it's um, you know, to to think of of shaking. I mean, really, to to think of shaking off uh, being denied basic rights. It, you know, and to keep fighting and to keep pushing. I, I assume that's why you're in the legislature today, right? It is because I've been a I've been a community activist, and some of those same people that I met as a young girl and and mm-hmm. going to the movement meeting, those were the same people that took me under their wing when I finished college and came back to Birmingham. They were the ones that encouraged me to get involved in the community, and they would always tell me, "Be patient. 
be patient. You're not gonna win every battle that you go out to fight. You're gonna lose some and then some of them gonna be some maybe. So it, it takes a discipline to be able to do it. And unfortunately, if we are able to harness our young people to let them know everything can't be microwave. <laughs> this movement has been fought for a long time and it's gonna be a lot more years till we can, to the hearts of men and women will change. How then, how then does it make you feel to see what is going on now with voting rights? Uh, you know, you have a number of, of things in Georgia. Uh, you have, uh, you know, the, in this state as well, uh -huh. where, you know, you had the uh, you, you had the secretary of state who was all for one thing, then he was all against it. And, and we all know why uh, they were against it. And it has nothing to do with fair and safe elections. And it has nothing to do with getting more people to vote. It has to do with keeping some people from the polls. How does, given that fight and everything uh -huh. y'all went through then, and, uh -huh. and, to, and to get finally get that passed in 65 and, at today to have fewer rights than you did in 65, it, it's got to be a, a little bit heartbreaking, doesn't it? It is. And, you know, a lot of people don't know uh, before they uh, Shelby County, when Shelby County uh, passed, uh, filed the complaint to diminish the voting rights. I worked with a lot of people once we I could not convince even my colleagues that there was an attack on voting rights. But I did have some older women that were my mentors in Birmingham. When it hit, before it got to the Supreme Court, it was in the district, district court there in Washington, D.C. And we fought tooth and nails with Judge Bates until he, he, he kept it from going any further until Shelby County pursued it again. It's disappointing, but it, it is so disappointing that I have to talk to my young people that I know to try to get them to understand that ought to be all of our rights now. Because let me tell you, even though it appears that what the Republican Party is doing is going against Black voters and Brown voters, they're going against all voters at the end of the day because the previous administration was trying to set up authoritarian government. And in authoritarian government, only the top oligarchs will have any power, even That's though right. these young people that they've elected to be in the Alabama legislature, they don't understand that they're going to be in the same category with me. If mm. these voting mm. rights of them continue the way they're going, all of these yeah. young whites that they have brainwashed, if, if we ever get to be an authoritarian form of government, they're going to be on the same, same level as I am. And they would have mm. participated. Do you, uh, you, you, you expressed some optimism earlier, uh, in passing. You said that you think that, uh, you said something along the lines of until hearts and minds are changed. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that at some point, one day, the beloved community that Dr. King talked about is going to be realized in your lifetime or, 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 or our lifetimes? I don't know if it would have happened in my lifetime, and it won't be 100%, but it would be a lot fewer than that group now that skews the level of hate. And they've done it all the time. It's just that we have shook it off. And, and if somebody comes up, I know in Birmingham, every t I, I look at to our top writers now, uh, uh, Whitmire and Archibald. 
I've known times uh, when I was younger and would go before city council talking about equality in a black city that black people weren't getting. They would mm-hmm. write these demeaning narratives in the Birmingham news about me and other young people that was out at that time. But look at them now. Look at the type of articles they write now. They're in lockstep with justice. So it's, it's going to take a lot to do it. And for one reason, America has never been honest to its mm-hmm. people. It has never mm-hmm. been honest to its people. And we've got to go all the way back to slavery, all the way back to England and other places for America to own up to the fact that I did a prayer on the floor last week. And one thing has been on my mind for those people who say they are taking their country back. All of us came to this country whether willingly or not. Even mm-hmm. the Indians, they came to this country through the Siberian Strait. All of us came here. But for some reason, some people have been taught that for some reason, by virtue of your color, you own that. But then within that group, you got young people and people in my age that blacks and white that participated with the movement, we haven't stopped. If you, if, I don't know if you paid attention to the news, Two of the one of the ministers here in Montgomery that died a few weeks ago. He died, I think, last year, and his wife followed. They were active members in the in the civil rights movement. So just mm-hmm. like they came on board and they learned better, they did better. We've all got to tell the truth about America. And I think the more we tell the truth and stop just letting it just fly past us and saying, oh, that's just me or Mo talking too much. The other thing I wanted to to bring up was uh, or to ask you about uh, before we got out of here. You mentioned uh, answering, responding directly to Dr. King's call. Now, my reading of history, and 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 that's why I want to see if you can correct this or confirm it. Uh, my reading of history says that the real brains behind the children's marches in Birmingham were Diane Nash and James Bevel. Is that is that not the case, or do you not remember it that way? I don't know if either of them were in Birmingham at the time, but I could tell you the night, January 1963. Uh, if you mm-hmm. come into the church, I was in the right balcony. Children always mm-hmm. sat behind the adult. Uh, when Dr. King finally came to the podium, he asked the adults, to step back and for the children to step forward. Now, who the Mm. brains were, I can't tell you, but it was Dr. King that said I Mm. needed your help. You know, I I learned of Diane Nash and and, and, uh, later on, and a lot of the adults that was in the movement, I learned who they were because one of the young men that was there uh, that night was James Orn who left Birmingham mm-hmm. as a 19-year-old. We grew up in the same neighborhood. Okay, and so okay. uh, we always called him Big Leslie because he was a football player. Biggest right. and the baddest. But I do know he took a Reverend Orange with him as, as to become one of his paid staff. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, when we get to somebody writing our story, you know, we those of us that was there, we didn't know who was in the background doing it. But we do know that Dr. King is the one that asked. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for that. (laughs) 
Uh, uh, listen, this has been uh, really phenomenal. Um, uh, and, and yes. I mean that sincerely and I, I, we could do this for a while, but I know you, you got to get back out to the floor yeah. and straighten some people out. Uh, exactly. there's, <laughs> I don't know what's going on since you had, since you've been with us and not out there, but I can guarantee you somebody's out of line that you need to straighten out. I do. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, that, uh, Representative Mary Moore, thank you so much for, for coming thank on you. and, and please thank keep you. up the, the good work and, and keep uh, telling people the truth, please. Yes, ma'am. We'll Please appreciate, do. I appreciate you just giving me the opportunity because I've learned over the years that those of us that have been on the battle lines the longest, nobody want to hear from us. So I appreciate mm. that. I, I really do. You don't know how far it goes to to put some a background to what ought to be the truth. Yes, yes, ma'am. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. As uh, Representative Mary Moore, she is uh, she's great. Um, yeah, absolutely. If uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, it just uh, unbelievable, Un- uh, really, really unbelievable. And uh, I would, uh, we would do well to, to to listen listen to her and uh, and follow along. And uh, you know, and if, and if we could if we could elect a few more <laughs> like Mary Moore, we would absolutely. Uh, I, of absolutely. course, I you know what I say that, but I know that there there are not many like Mary Moore out there in the in the entire world, much less in the state of Alabama. And, and I say that in in a very good way. Um, Absolutely. But yeah. but somebody with her conviction, yes. you know, somebody with her sense of conviction and her and her commitment to, uh, I think, to speaking truth to power. That's yeah. what we need in this country. Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about, uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever, whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? Uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks.